Would you buy a house with someone who wasn't uh, a mate, like a romantic partner? Um, you know, sort of I, when I think of roommates, I, you know, I had roommates obviously in, in university, younger, older, lots of people have. Uh, I was thinking like Oscar and Felix or Bert and Ernie. Uh, and it, the roommates that I had through my college years and so on, I, I, I can't really imagine taking that kind of commitment with them, like buying a house, for instance, it would have been far too much for, uh, for me at a, as, at a younger age. Uh, but you know, times have changed, Rent. I was also living in Montreal and rent was like $400 a month. So obviously life was pretty easy back then. Um, things have changed. And so have people's attitudes towards things such as co-ownership, because it's one way to get onto the property ladder. So according to a national public opinion survey conducted by Abacus earlier this year, uh, commissioned by the real estate tech company Key, 88% of people who don't own a home now agree with the statement, given the housing market in Canada, I feel shut out of my dream of owning a home. So as more and more Canadians feel shut out, more and more are looking for solutions. And co-ownership is one that's becoming more appealing. When asked if co-ownership should be incorporated as a strategy to make apartments and new housing complexes more affordable. 68% agreed. Um, and 93% of renters said the co-ownership concept appealed to them, with half saying it was very appealing. Someone who knows a lot about this is my next guest, Leslie Gaynor. She's a real estate agent with Forest Hill Downtown Real Estate in Toronto and owner of GoCo Solutions, a company dedicated to helping people get into co-owned homes. Leslie Gaynor, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks so much for having me. So tell me a bit about this because I've been reading about it. Um, I don't know anyone personally who's done it, but it seemed to certainly be gaining traction in places where getting on the property ladder is increasingly difficult. Yeah, I think the most important piece is to actually define what co-ownership is because True. it means different things to many different people. So the, the way that I look at co-ownership is uh, by taking groups of people or, you know, three, four, five, six people who say, look, alone I can't do anything, but with a group of people I have a much better uh, buying power. I've got a bigger down payment because we know that $200,000 is necessary for anything over a million. So when you combine and leverage your assets, you can, in fact, purchase more than what you could do as an individual. Even just a couple on their own can often not purchase as much as if you put two couples together. You've got four income. You've got all of the down payment. So I look at it as an approach to buying real estate. The way you structure the home can be as wide and as, you know, as many people can define that you can live more like roommates, like you said, when you did the introduction, or you can have separate right. units and live right. in separate units like you do individually. Yeah. I mean, back in the seventies, my parents, actually, I lived in Montreal. It was one of those triplex, those famous Montreal triplexes, mm -hmm. which are three mm -hmm. individual apartments in each. Yeah. And they were one of the first people to buy that as a co-op. They got in with two other right families and each bought a floor and that hadn't really been done in the past. They were normally rentals or sold as one building, but they had got in and bought it as three separate units because it was more affordable, obviously to buy one than buy the whole thing. So I guess this is just sort of a logical step on that sure. concept. I mean, that ben, this is not money, a new idea. I mean, there are buildings no. in the city of Toronto that are, are co-owned or they're called co-ops, but you actually purchase right. them. You own them. You're, you're building equity. Um, unlike a co-op where you're a tenant or a renter, although you have a vote right. and you have control over your unit, there are this model has existed. There are there are lenders who specifically lend on these kinds of models. Now, not all lenders 
like the notion of co-ownership. They think it's complicated and what happens if it dissolves and is it increasing my risk? We've got lots of work to do when it comes to our lending institutions and this model, but the model itself is not new. Tell me about who you're seeing, I guess, like who, who, who is, I, yeah. I suppose, just by how you've described it, it, it it's a broad spectrum, but uh, who are you seeing coming to you with uh, interested in, in this sort of approach? Well, it, it is true. It's a broad spectrum because, you know, the pandemic has shown us a few things that I think we already knew was uh, bubbling to the, the surface as a problem. Our senior care. Um, where there were people who weren't getting the kind of care that they needed during the pandemic, for example. There are people who do not want to go into institutionalized care. So seniors are approaching me. Let's group together. If we have to hire one caregiver, we can afford that. What happens if, you know, we can pool our pensions if we have them. We can support ourselves through our older age. So I'm getting approached by seniors. I'm getting approached by young families and by millennials who are, as you said earlier as well, priced out of this market because on their own with their incomes and with what they've been able to accumulate for a down payment isn't enough given that we need 20% down and the average home is over $800,000 in Toronto. Really, I believe it's over a million as someone who's out there buying, trying to buy houses. You know, so you need $200,000 before you can even start looking at a home in the city of Toronto. Um, absolutely. I think, I mean, I have friends in Toronto, obviously, who, uh, yeah, I, I gather the Toronto housing market is, uh, and I'm in Victoria, which is which is uniquely mm-hmm. for a small city, uniquely um high priced and and Vancouver mm-hmm. obviously another mm-hmm. one uh, so what, when you see people i mean who do you what kind of if someone out there was thinking of this might be a good idea for them what would yeah. you what advice do you give people well you know the first thing i do is you've got to make sure that you're the right kind of person for co-ownership it's not as easy and as straightforward as as you said a romantic partner although even with our romantic partners partners or our life partners, you know, separation, divorce, it can get complicated. So owning owning property can become complicated for everybody. So what I like to do with people is I like to really sit down with people and talk through the idea of co-ownership. What does it mean to live in community? What does it mean to make something more intentional? And the getting in is really easy, right? romantic you get in it's exciting everyone's got a new house it's the getting out that can be really difficult because if you've got one party that needs to leave and one party that wants to stay there's the buyout how do you establish value how do you how much time do you have to figure it out so my approach is to sit down with the group and work through all the not so nice not so fun not so exciting pieces of co-ownership before we even consider looking at property. So that means the legal stuff, the financial stuff, the emotional stuff. And then the last thing you do is you look for bricks and mortar. So really a prenuptial prenuptial to some extent. It is kind of like a prenup agreement. What it does, though, is it makes people think, you know, conflict may arise. Differences may arise. You've got a structure that you have to maintain. Who's responsible for what? How do things get agreed upon? My uncle's a plumber. 
does he get to do all the plumbing in the house or do we get three quotes? And do we decide on making sure that our roof is inspected once a year? How do we decide if we want to put a deck on the back? Who pays for that? There are a lot of things that you have to understand about the dynamic. Once you understand the dynamic and you're committed to it, then we move to the next step. Um, One of the things I say to people often is, if you're a person who has no ability to compromise, if everything has to be your way, which, you know, that's a personality trait, you may not be the right kind of personality for co-ownership, right? Because you may not always get your way. And the larger co-ownership communities, like the large, you know, um, communities in the United States where there's 30 units, you know, it's a little easier to kind of like, oh, well, the 29 people wanted the purple doors and I didn't get it. But when you're in a smaller group, like three couples or three individuals or six seniors, it's a little more difficult to kind of give up on something because it's a smaller group. So you really have to tease apart. What do we do when we come up against an impasse? Um I do a lot of coaching with people before I even get them to, like I said, go out and look at the properties of what, you know, what might be available. You're right. Because thinking about it, of course, when you are a homeowner, although it is a lot of responsibility, you do make a lot of uh, arbitrary decisions. I mean, you make the decisions Mm -hmm. yourself, right? You know, like, who am I going to hire? What am I going to do? Am I going to let that furnace go for another year? Am I going to replace it? You decide and you pay. And obviously you pay the consequences if it all goes wrong. But if you co-own and you're the one who said, ah, let's not fix the washer this year, and then it leaks. <laughs> right. I sp- right. I can see where there'd be grounds for uh, grounds for conflict. Uh, we're going to take just, a, we're going to jump away for a moment. I'd really want to ask you just about people, and you've already talked about it a bit, but just some of the warning signs that you give people too about those who look at, you know, maybe jumping into this and 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 just what the right fit would be and, and what kind of houses they're looking at. Because I was really curious as to what sort of places they wind up in when it comes to the brick and mortar. Uh, we'll be back with uh, with Leslie Gaynor, real estate agent with Forest Hill Downtown Real Estate in Toronto and owner of GoCo Solutions, a company dedicated to helping people get into co-owned homes. We're looking at solutions to help people get on the property ladder these days when it is so tough to climb up onto that first rung specifically. We'll be back. I'm speaking with Leslie Gaynor, a real estate agent with Forest Hill Downtown Real Estate in Toronto and owner of GoCo Solutions, a company dedicated to helping people get into co-owned homes. We're talking about co-ownership as a potential way of getting into the property market, of owning your own home if it's difficult to do so by yourself or just as a couple. Uh, we've been talking about the, the many different permutations there are to co-owning. It comes in all shapes and sizes, as Leslie was explaining, from seniors living together to different couples living in different places, you know, different units to people sharing a same space. It goes right across the spectrum. I was thinking about how difficult it is to house hunt in this market because it's so fast and, and how challenging it might be if you had to negotiate with three or four or five other people to try and decide whether that was the right place to move into. <laughs> yeah, well, it does get to be a bit challenging. But by being really prepared and by being out and looking at something that comes on the market really quickly, you can do it. You just have to, again, be aligned. It's the alignment that's really important. You do the pre-work so that people are really clear. It's like, I need this. I need a backyard. I need parking. I need to be in this vicinity. And you work that all out. You don't go out before you know all of those pieces. 
And that way, I, I mean, that makes perfect sense. I guess everyone should do, do that when buying a home because even exactly. as, even with your, yeah, that, so, sometimes <laughs> run into problems. You know, I, you know, I, I've never cared that much for a great shower, but you know, a great shower can be a, a, a deal breaker for a lot of people. It, it um, sure can. <laughs> you know, the thing that we do at GoCo is, is you're right, is, is in fact what people should do before they buy property with anybody. Because we talk about all of the problems that could come up. And the thing we talk about in relationship to divorce, death, I mean, all of the things we try not to talk about, we actually talk about them. We actually put plans into place so that we're already prepared in case that happens. The exit strategy is essential. It sounds like a lot of work, Leslie, compared to to selling a just selling a home, for instance, or <laughs> or you know, it sounds like a lot. Of, why why do you do it? What uh, you must get some, you must get some joy out of seeing it work. I do, I absolutely do, because I actually fundamentally believe that we've got to move away from this notion of individualism, this notion of big homes being the right way to move forward. We have a really serious problem on our hands. I am not addressing affordable housing because I'm buying the expensive houses, but I'm dividing up that expense by more than one person or two people or three people. So I'm making it accessible or more accessible. I'm not making it more affordable because I still am competing in this market. We need to look at density. We need to look at gentle density as a good thing for our neighborhoods. Um, We don't need the 73-story buildings to take over everything. There are other ways. There are medium-sized buildings. There are the, you know, as you said in Montreal, the three-story, three-unit with the back staircase where everyone can hang out in the summer. We need to start thinking seriously about what we build and why we build what we build. It's not just about building supply either. We have homes that are well equipped to be more than one single family home. The laneway suites are brilliant ideas. Garden suites are great ideas. We need to be creative. So um, I do it because I fundamentally believe it's a healthier way to live. I believe that it is better for people to live in community. I don't want to share a kitchen with you. I don't want to share a bathroom with you. I want my private space. But I do know that when someone knocks on my door and is like, hey, I'm going to the corner store. I'm going to grab some milk. Do you need anything? Or I haven't seen you in a couple of days. Are you feeling okay? Or a senior who just needs somebody to help them shovel their driveway so that they can stay independent in their home longer. Or, you know, a family that struggles with daycare expenses with another family who shares the daycare expenses. There's, there's tons of issues that we can address through co-ownership that isn't just about your home. It can also be about your life and your lifestyle and what it affords you. And it's not just living in, you know, in a, in a fishbowl in the sky, so to speak, where mm-hmm. you create these cities just full of massive towers and leave it at that, right? This is about, about, because I remember growing up in that house, and of course we had a laneway and we had a backyard and mm-hmm. you know, it, it wasn't like my friends who lived in their own bigger houses. Of course, I'd always envied my friends in their own bigger houses, <laughs> but that aside, you know, there was right. a lot of community there because you did, you know, all that the whole block was three floors, these same triplexes. Um, and right. it did create a back lane of community and so forth. And and, and you're right. We, we do have to be imaginative about density now because uh, it's obviously needed. It is. And I also think we have to think about our environment. I mean, the shared economy is not 
un, it's not un, unfamiliar to people. You know, Uber, Airbnb, like all of this came out of this, you know, I've got bedrooms here that no one's sleeping in. Let's use our resources. Um, let's figure out creative ways to make our end of life, our, you know, the other, the other side, you know, enjoyable and pleasant. Um, I want to be part of a community when I'm a senior. I don't, I don't want to lose out on the multi, the, the, the impact that multi-generational living has, right? I want to be surrounded by little kids. I want, you know, so I just, I just think we need to move away from this notion of single nuclear families living in, in these, you know, sort of homes that keep them from even knowing their neighbors sometimes. Um, so it's you, more Leslie, than you, just co-ownership for me. It's, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I've just run out of time, Thank but what you. a fascinating conversation. Thanks so much for sharing both okay. a lot of information right. about co-ownership and the motivation. Have a great night. Yeah, thanks.